because of Jesus for generations to come. In this podcast, uh, we're going to dive deeper into our Sunday teaching and hopefully help begin to bridge that connection of our text to our everyday life. Uh, my name is John. I'm the engagement pastor here. And across the screen from me, uh, sitting in front of the Generations banner with some fun little headphones on today, is Kyle Davies, our lead pastor. You can say hi, I guess. Yeah, well, you know what? We're trying all kinds of this live stream stuff. So it's it's we're, we're learning. We yeah. are learning about all this stuff. So Seeing how different previews go, yeah. that type of stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm like, I'm like scouring all kinds of things to see if we're, we're actually going to end up uh, on our live and go from there. So, okay. Let's see. I mean, John, if we flip over to Facebook, it looks like we are, we, 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 we're live, we, man. We synced up. Let's go. Let's do this. We, I know we're ready to rock and roll. One of the yeah. things that I love about our church is that. We are willing to try stuff. We're willing to do some things to try to make some stuff yes. happen. And so I'm excited once we go back and watch some of these replays, what we can learn. Because we are <laughs> learning through this process as we all. So I think we should definitely jump into today's topic. And I hope people have looked at the title because I hope they have no idea what's coming and maybe they, maybe they'll have some idea what's coming. I don't off, know. Uh, it, today's it, it, title this week. Uh, we finished up our substance series, going through Colossians two. Um, Kyle, do do we have a title for our next series? Do you, are you announcing that yet? Or are you holding on to it? So so we do have a title for our next series. Our next series is embodied, and so we're going to look at Colossians three and how all of this stuff that we've been talking about, knowing Jesus, making Him known, Jesus being the substance of our life. We're going to take a look at how that is embodied and lived out, specifically how Paul challenges the Colossians to live in their current or in their context and in their time. Awesome. Yeah. And so for those of you who maybe who caught it this weekend, maybe some of you who didn't, uh, we finished up our substance series, finished out Colossians 2. And I think Kyle had a little too much fun uh, with an illustration he had this weekend. We definitely had uh, some people who really enjoyed it, really connected with it. And let, let me just quote you, Kyle. You, okay. you got near the end and you had this quote that a lot of people pulled out and they said, Jesus is the good bacon. Now, I, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I've ever heard uh, this or I'm not sure if Paul explicitly used this illustration. There it is. I was waiting yeah. for it. Um, um, I know we all yeah. got a kick out of this and a lot of, uh, bacon emojis and jokes going around, but Kyle, uh, just clarify, like explain what, what do you mean? Where did this bacon illustration, this pig, um, this whole concept come from? So I was telling a story about growing oh, up and showing pigs. Yes, it does. Look at that. Ah! So it, it's because of the darkness. So I, I was telling a story about uh, preparing uh, pigs when I was growing up, used to raise pigs, raise like rabbits and turkeys and had a couple feeder calves and stuff like that. But one the reason you did it is, is a way to generate a source of income as a high school student, just a couple extra bucks um, to go towards something. And so how you did that is you raised some animals, you took them to the fair, you showed them, and they were judged based on, you know, the quality, how they filled out. And for some of you yeah. people, you're like, what in the world? Like, this, this sounds so foreign. The point of me telling all of that was simply to say 
that a, a judge knew what he was looking for. The judge knew what the quality of pig that they were looking for. And at the end of the day, um, the quality of pig, the, the, what they were looking for is the quality of pig based on form determine the quality of meat uh, in most cases. And so at the end of the day, sometimes Christians feel like they have to dress up, like they have to be all pretty, pretty, like they have to have it all perfect, like they have to get ready for show. But at the end of the day, what Jesus cares about is our heart and the quality of our heart. And that comes through connection with him. And, and then I just, I just got on a, got on a little rift and basically says that if Jesus is the substance that we desire in that situation, in that scenario, what the judge is looking for is the the good meat, the good quality. Well, then, then Jesus is the good bacon. So, (laughs) so I, I, I hope I tracked that back well, because that was one of those things that you don't have in your notes. And then it comes out of your mouth and you're like, I'm just, just rolling with it. So if you grew up on a farm, grew around a farm and you're like, Kyle, that's complete, utter foolishness. Like, let us know that because, but if you thought it was fun, send us a, a, a bacon gif. So that's funny. Well, it even makes me think of like just different ways in which we try to dress up in appearance. Yeah. Um, just to make things look better, but on the inside, like maybe the meat or the substance of it isn't quality. So like, I even think back to like when I was in school, and like you would turn in this project and you would be all flashy with it, you know, you would laminate the paper, nice bold font and everything. But at the end of it, like half of it is just fluff. Like yeah. we just threw stuff together last the night before just to turn something in. Like they say 10 pages, really there's two pages of yep. content and then we fluffed it all out or you increase the period size. Some people know that trick, some people don't. Yes. Uh, if you're in high school, that is one of fantastic trick but you yes. would make it look really nice. And so you dress it up on the outside when really the meat, the substance of it is neglected. Yes. Is, is that where you're kind of going with it? Yeah, exactly. And, and so if at the, at the end of the day, we have to recognize that Jesus provides us with substantial joy and to settle for some alternative basically robs us of of true joy true true peace and yeah he he is the real thing he is the real deal he's not some he's he's not something that is less than and that's where that's also probably a piece of what is going through my mind as i'm talking about bacon in in terms of jesus in in that way is because he sometimes we think of following jesus and as we begin to follow him that well, it's actually a letdown and it's restrictive rather than liberating and freeing. And so he's not something that is less than. He is something that is is greater than. He's the real deal. He's he is something substantial. He is someone substantial. And so everyone loves, I think, some good bacon. And if 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 you're a vegetarian or a vegan, I, I'm sorry, I apologize for 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 this illustration. But maybe, <laughs> but maybe, just maybe, that there's a parallel to that in terms of something like a good hearty hearty salad that is that is that is makes your mouth water because um, it's good and fills you up. Uh, think think of that instead. So, uh, but Jesus is uh the the good bacon so john 
I, I tip my hand a little bit there and I, I start to talk about that true change comes from inward renewal, not something external, that the quality must be there. And that's demonstrated internal, not from external realities. So as we look at this concept, how does that translate to our everyday lives? The concept that external realities doesn't necessarily drive change, but it's true inward renewal. So I think even one of the main things that comes to mind, and we've talked about this a good bit this series, is just the idea that Christianity isn't this big, long list of to-dos and not-to-dos, you know, to do like I need to get up and, oh my goodness, you are having way too much fun today. That's creepy. The green glowing, it's like a green lantern thing going on here. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'll, I'll stop this right now. (laughs) But even just thinking like Christianity isn't about the rules and regulations in which we follow. It's about a relationship that external practices don't really affect the heart. They almost mask what's actually going on on the inside. And so I even think I loved one of the illustrations you had about like when you were younger and I even think back to like when I was in middle school, like I grew up going to the church. Uh, my mom sang on the worship team. So I was one of those kids that grew up there and everyone knew my name at church. So I had to be on the best behavior because otherwise Nancy heard about it. But I mean, like I understood how to act at church, mm. but then there was this other side of my life of how I would act around people that weren't in church and at school and like you almost build up like this two-faced relationship where like the people that I have to act good around, I followed the do's and don'ts that I needed okay. to. And then the other people I wanted to be cool in front of, I would do that. And it really displayed where my heart was. Mm. That I, it was more of this understanding that to be a good Christian, like I want to show off in front of the people that expect this from me. Like I want to keep up this outward appearance that I have it all together, that I have this relationship that I'm embodying who Jesus is, when really inside, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just trying to be cool, fit in, and be popular, and really, there wasn't this relationship that affected my everyday life. Like, I even think to, like, I think of, like, relationships nowadays. Like, think about, like, maybe your best friend, or, like, in our case, like, our wives. Like, that a loving relationship isn't just a checklist of actions. Mm. It's not, uh, I don't show my love for Hannah by uh, making sure I do the dishes. I, um, I do our laundry. I vacuum the floor. Like it, it's not a matter of like these uh, checklist items. Like I do this, I, and like not do other things like wear shoes on the carpet or um, leave towels around. Like it's not this matter of this checklist of things, but rather like the quality time in which you spend to Mm. intentionally get to know each other, learn about each other and let that shape how we live and interact Mm. together. Like, and when you think about it with Jesus, like it's not that we're just doing the do's and don'ts that we see other Christians do because we think that makes us like Jesus rather a shape, like being shaped and influenced by him is true understanding of I'm going to spend time with you quality time and see how that that shapes my everyday life it's not building up this outward appearance that i'm spending time and building this relationship it's allowing the internal heart to be the expression my outward expression comes from my heart not just these physical tangible things that i want to try to do yeah well we've yeah we've rejected that in our wider culture i mean i mean you can just hear it it's like we we want people to be authentic yeah That, that that that's not necessarily something 
that is uniquely Christian and is this idea to say, oh, we, we want a level of authenticity mm. and, and we want, we want that. So, so it, it's funny because as you, as you talk about that, I got to imagine that some people are even like, yeah, why, why would you even agree to or acquiesce to a level of duplicity mm. in your life when you should just, you should just be you. Uh, that that's a phrase that 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 we hear we hear often. Uh, just just you be you, you do you, and and it's something that well yeah like why that that's the way it should be, and we almost take that as a, a statement of fact. And where you see this start to change, I think, in light of what what Paul is is saying, is as you start to bump up against Jesus, as you start to see his perfection as you get closer to God and as you develop that relationship with Jesus, you will realize there's a level of impurity in your own heart. And it might not always come out in terms of feeling guilty. It may have a level of shame, which then creates distance. Um, it may create a level of fear. Well, of like if people really knew me and then what, what actually starts to happen is as, as you bump up against uh, God's holiness, as you bump up against following Jesus and, and you start to actively follow him, change starts to happen in yeah. in that in that relationship just just as when you're around other people and in those relationships you, you, you marriage is a great example of when you're in that relationship you will change in to eat in some ways to decrease the friction but also just being in relationship with someone there's gonna be a level a level of friction and when we start to follow Jesus, who is the perfect expression of humanity, uh, the perfect expression of God's will. Well, naturally, as people who, who are fallible and finite, there's going to be a level of, of disconnect there, which then creates a level of internal thoughts and feelings of, I'm not sure I like this, and I'm not sure I want to change. Mm. And so... So then again, we either, we, we run more towards Jesus because we like some of the consequences and, and the blessings that come from a relationship with him, or yeah. because we start to experience some of that change and we're not sure we like the change, yeah. we, we, we distance ourselves and we just, I'll just, I'll just keep, I'll just keep being me. I'll just keep, keep doing. And then what that, that, what that realizes is then we start to, in following Jesus, then we turn it into a rules of do's and do nots, like some people see it as, rather than a, a true relationship. And so what we have to really, really, I think, understand is that walking with God will change us. Mm -hmm. And we have to ask the hard question, do we want to change? If so, how? And if not, why? Mm. And those aren't, those aren't easy or simple questions to answer um, or to ask. And so, John, as I, as I kind of talk that, that question mm. and I ask the, hey, do you want to change? If so, how? And if not, why? Man, what do you why do you think change is just so, so difficult? And how does that, 
how does that exist in our relationship with Jesus? I think there's two things that come to mind. Um, and there's some of what you brought up this weekend. I think one of the first reasons, like it's so tough for us to change is because we live in a world, like you said earlier, like we are very me-centered. Mm. We are very self-indulgent. We can honestly be kind of selfish at times uh, mm. where it's, what is the best for me? What am I getting out of it? What uh, I just want to do me and be myself. I want to receive joy and happiness in the way in which I think I will. And rubbing up against Jesus, the tough part about it is it turns away from a me at the center to Jesus and others at the center. Like, honestly, like we become, we put aside the self-indulgence yeah. and we become very other-centered. We become mm -hmm. very relational and say, man, how are my actions affecting others? How are my words, the way in which I act, the way like my mannerisms, the way in which I just speak and react to things? Mm -hmm. How is that um, really rubbing up against those people around me is it helpful is it harmful is it positive negative like we we really don't want to wrestle with that sometimes mm. and sometimes it's we it's not easy to do that and the second thing that i uh i kind of come to in my mind you, you kind of brought this up a little bit this weekend of this concept of uh elemental forces of nature and the world of it's one of the tough things about following Jesus sometimes is that you're not going to get a physical, tangible sign of this is what you should do. Mm. And so often, like we look around and we're like, God, just give me a sign. Tell me what to do. Uh, is this, which door should I go down kind of yeah. thing? Um, and so I really think those are two things that really stand out to me. Like what, what comes to your mind? Yeah, I think sometimes the reason we want to change is because of the guilt, the fear, um, or even damaged relationships. Mm -hmm. And so we have, we have some of these feelings that drive us to say, okay, I need to change something. Mm -hmm. And what, what we're actually doing in that moment is we're, we don't like the consequences of our circumstances or our own choices, but we, but we internally almost approve of like our own action and our own self. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess we don't want to change what is what we truly value. Um, we don't want to put like, we won't, we don't want to displace what is the most substantial thing in our life or the, or the value the Bible calls it, frankly, is the Bible calls it an idol. Um, it calls it, it calls it something that, that we worship. It's something that, that we are oriented our life around. Yeah. And, and we like that thing being the center. And anytime we settle for anything other than God at the center, yeah. that, 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 that sin. And so, what we have to do is we have to recognize that following Jesus, that, that he is the better, the better option. Yeah. Like he, he is, he is the, he is worth following, not just because it's the religious thing to do, or it's the religious answer to say, it's because he is the only one who is capable of generating 
not just an external change, but that, but that internal change. And, and I think we, we clamor for change in our world while not necessarily wanting to change ourselves. Mm. And I see this come out in a couple different ways. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. I watched, I watched some anime. <laughs> and uh, so like, I, I think of shows like Naruto or The Last Airbender. Um, and and maybe, maybe those are anime, maybe not in the anime, but I think it's true no matter kind of what culture or even what show you watch is you hear people talk about they want change in their world. They want a different world. But most of the time, they, they rely on these elemental forces in terms of the anime to bring about the change, the, these natural physical things to generate the change. And they don't actually necessarily want to change themselves. It's, yeah. it's the change of others. And then even if you watch like dramas or, or stuff on, on TV shows, it's like, okay, I want my circumstances to change but I am wholly unwilling to actually undergo a personal journey and doing the hard work of change mm. myself. And, and I think one of the reasons why we don't want to undergo a personal change is because that means we're admitting there's something wrong with us. Yeah. And we don't know how to cope with the reality of we do need change, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's something like wrong with us. There, there is, I would say there's something incomplete in us. Mm. rather than being something wrong yeah. it, it is is we are there's a piece of us that is dead because of sin because Be, the wages of sin is death and so as we allow sin to exist in our life anything that takes the place of where god should be that that allows a level of, of basically death and decay and pollution is a, is a term that i've used before yeah. um basically it, it mars what what is actually right and good mm. and, and 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 what that does is 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 we don't necessarily know how to cope and clean that up and so let's just let's just do something outside of ourselves or we result to the rules and let's 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 generate an appearance so that we lessen the friction and maybe, maybe we won't actually have to clean up ourselves if we can externally appease some set of rules um, or regulations. And Paul, he, he says again, he's like, hey, there, in uh, what is it, verse 23, it says, it's like some of these things have the appearance of wisdom or even the reputation of wisdom. Um, and it may, people would be like, oh, you're a super humble person for, for doing that or saying that thing. But at the, but at the end of the day, those external things that we try to use to change our circumstances, those, those external powers that we try to rely on and use to cope, they don't actually curb our self-indulgent heart, yeah. which, keeps, which keeps us at the center. And yeah. so we have to continually return to the cross to be able to say, okay, not my way, Jesus's way. Yeah, I, I, I like what you're saying. I think one of the things like that comes to my mind with the do's and don'ts and like the self-indulgent thing is so often we can almost look at life as, oh, what are those, the, like a scale kind of thing. Like we out, we basically say, well, as long as my uh, do's and don'ts, the good things in which I do outweigh the negative things in which I've done, like I, I'm good, I'm taken care of. And that's a very selfish thing. It's saying I want to hold on to these things over here. So I'm going to mask it by all these external actions. I'm gonna go serve, I'm gonna help, I'm gonna do all these good 
actions to mask this thing in which I'm hiding and holding onto because I don't want to release it. I don't want to let go because for me, it, it, it's a self-indulgent thing. It's not yeah. being willing to let it go to allow Jesus to be at the center. Yeah. Yeah. And a cross-center life means an inevitable and resolute rejection of all self-confidence and self-righteousness. Like you're not going to be able to do it by your own, your own strength. And because when we go to the cross, we see God dying for us. Yeah. And if we let any of these other gods down, so, so these forces, these elemental powers, these rules, these regulations, yeah. they're going to beat you up because if you live for people's approval or for your career or for possessions or for control or for anything else and it, you mess it up, uh, then you'll be left feeling afraid, downcast or bitter. Mm. But but as we follow Jesus, even when we let him down, he still loves us and he still seeks to bring that renewal. He still says, okay, I'm going to walk with you through the ambiguous. I'm going to walk with you through the, through the unclear. Um, he doesn't beat us up because he died for us. Yeah. Um, and so we can allow the love of Christ replace the other affections by which we have. And so the secret to change is to renew our love for Christ. Um, as we see him crucified in our place. And for some people that sounds like, well, okay, that's, that's supposed to be the Christian. That's supposed to be the Christian answer, but, but we stray from that. We, I, I could say that, but if you look up at the, at, at your own life, how oftentimes when you go through the day, you beat yourself up because you're like, oh man, I messed up again, or I did it again, or man, I wonder what that person thinks of me. What we do is when we enter into that line of thought, we, we, we're, we're putting something else at the center of our life. And so what we have to do and what Paul says is, listen, go back to the story. Mm. You, you died with Jesus. Jesus died for you so that he can live in you and through you. Mm. And so we have to find our importance uh, in Christ rather than uh, in the approval of others is in the grasp for control the the yeah. ability to achieve uh, power yeah um, and and what we see this right now in our world firsthand I, I mentioned this on on Sunday and I think this may John may be actually a good thing to parse out for us kind of here at the end is what is the, the thing that we go to to generate change in our society and world? And so I, I throw that out there kind of as a rhetorical question, but just, John, as, as I ask that, here in this moment, in this time, where do you see people going to to cope with the change that we're undergoing in our culture mm. and also for the attempt to produce a change and sometimes with circumstances that are outside, ultimately our control. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun question. I, I think one of the things that we see a lot now is more of the escape from the present reality, mm. is the escape from the negativeness, the, um, the toughness of what's going on in our world. And I think so often, um, one of the tough parts about it is moving from the self-indulgent thing is realizing that 
we live in a broken world and just because bad things happen doesn't mean it's a personal attack or punishment on you. Um, I always think when, like, I always think back to um, the creation story. Mm. You see the fall of man, uh, man who is made in the full image of God, perfect harmony and everything. And then we sin and there's this curse that's uh, mentioned. And it says this in Genesis 3, that cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you will return. And my mind always goes back to that and just recognizing that there are going to be unpredictable things. There are going to be um, negative and just poor circumstances in our world that there are going to be um, times in which we might lose a job. Uh, we might struggle financially. Uh, relationships will be broken. Things will happen in this world that we can't always control. We can't be in control of all things. And to look at everything as a personal attack on us, I don't think is the right movement as well. To understand that we are in the midst of a broken world in which we have played the part in uh, corrupting it and distorting it through sin and like what you talked about. Like we played the part in that. So to blame other people and say, man, they, they've caused this or this is happening to me. I don't understand. Like we're all in, in the, oh man, this is going to be really bad. This is a high school musical reference. I only know that because, <laughs> but like, we're like, oh man, as lame as it is, we're all in this together. Yes. And that we're yes. in the midst of a broken world. And the only way to get to the restoration, to get the uh, reconciliation, the restorement in which we need mm. um, is found in Jesus. The one who came and lived am amongst the brokenness with us, who took on, uh, who became fully man and died on the cross with all of our sin, our guilt, our shame, to find our uh, fulfillment and hope in him and understanding that I don't have to have it all together that in the midst of uh, the brokenness in the world that I can find the hope and refreshment and rechargement in him. And I, this weekend, I thought it was actually funny. I used another illustration of almost like how we charge our iPhones mm. and how like we go to Jesus for that refreshment. I, I think it's a very like practical, like illustration that people can tangibly see of like, yeah, like I get super worn out with all the things. Like when life feels like a lot, the anxiety, the pressure, the nervousness, like, it can feel like things are stacking up mm. and sometimes it can be too much. And we see that in a lot of people who are just feel worn out, who feel broken, who feel defeated. And sometimes they mask it by uh, putting on this smiley, joyful face, or they try to just escape from it uh, by spending time on social media, binging a show, like trying to escape in any way they can from dealing with the present reality. And it, it really comes down to this change within us, within our heart, where we're able to find this tangible hope mm. and promise that we can hold on to that there is going to be a restoration to this world and to us, that mm. we will go back, uh, well, not necessarily go back, but go forward into the new heavens and new earth. Uh, and we see a glimpse of that in the creation story where all is good and like we're mm. very good. And in this, harmonious 
relationship with Jesus, with God. And we've come out of that. And sometimes it's tough for us to see the tangible present reality of what that could even be like, because it's such an abstract thing. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so easy to hold on to like the universe, give me a sign kind of thing of what to do. I always think of how I met your mother and like Ted Mosby trying to get the rain <laughs> dance going. So it's like, is Robin the one for me or Lillian Marshall? Like once we see all the doppelgangers in the universe shows us this, we'll have another, like we wait on the world to give us these yeah. signs. And sometimes they're never going to come. And it's this relationship with Jesus. Are we, tangibly spending quality time pursuing and learning and rubbing up against and allowing some of that friction. It's almost like sandpaper sometimes yeah. where we have to smooth out some of that uh, brokenness, distortedness in our life. And sometimes we don't want to let that happen to us because yeah. it, it, it's going to hurt. It's not yeah. going to be fun. It's not easy. That's, I mean, if you've ever like used sandpaper on something and accidentally rubbed your skin, like it doesn't feel good, yeah. but it's, that's what true change comes out of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I, th I think it's good here to ask just a question to those who are, who are listening and will watch this at, at some point. What, here's a question that I, that I think we, they need to, and we need to reflect on. Do we just want to avoid the consequences of uh, our sin or the shame of our sin? And so I just want to give some statements uh, to see if they have like to just see if they're true for you. And this may, this may sh point to, do you really want to change? Mm. And so you want to change, but without having to break a sweat, you want it because you are supposed to want it. You want change, but not at the cost of saying no forever. You want change. Sometimes you want change tomorrow. You want change, but you're waiting for God to remove your cravings first. You're waiting for God to give you a sign. Uh, you want change simply because it will make life easier. And just on the backside of this, I think Peter's words in 1 Peter are, is incredibly helpful for us to think about and the world in which we live in and the time and the place how we should respond to both the call to change through inward renewal and connection with Christ while also being a force for change within our world. And so this is what first Peter chapter two says. He says, for what credit is there if you sin and are punished and you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor to God. For you called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he was suffering, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. You have been healed by his wounds, for you are like a sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. We at Generations Church are a community of everyday people 
who are committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. And that means we will have to undergo change together as we remain connected to Jesus. And we're not always going to get it perfect. We're not always going to get it right. And we're not always going to see Jesus as the good bacon. But, but we can do this together. We're in this together, John, as you said. We can do this because Jesus gave us an example. And we don't have to fear and we don't have to feel guilty. And we can continue to love and live well through a connection with 